Welcome to the Business Herald podcast. The Business Herald is a weekly roundup of all of the top UK business news stories by email, social media, and this podcast. The podcast will feature some of the week's main stories, and we'll be joined by various business people on each episode to discuss the week's news and how it might impact a smaller business like yours. And hopefully we'll have some fun on a Friday too. I'm your host, Stephen Mather. I'm a lawyer for SMEs, and I help business owners sleep better at night by sorting their legal problems out. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Business Herald. Welcome along to this week's episode of the Business Herald podcast. We're on number 16. This week, we're joined by Jamie Cochran and Tej Goera. Jamie is an associate at PBC Business Recovery and Insolvency. They provide advice to both businesses and individuals who are struggling financially. With offices in Northampton and Bedford, Jamie is a keen sports fan, although the less said about the form of Northampton Saints at the moment, the better. Can't say much more. I'm a Tigers fan, um, but there we go. Tej is an accountant, runs tax assist accountants from shopfront offices in Leicester and Syston. They're providers of tax and accountancy services primarily to small businesses in Leicester. He's been doing that for uh, since 2011. So welcome along both. Thank you. Thanks for having us back, Stephen. That's okay. So this week saw a number of administrations, liquidations and CVAs. On Tuesday, the Arcadia Group, that's Sir Philip Green's collection of brand stores, entered into administration. It refused £50 million worth of credit from Mike Ashley's competing Fraser's group and quickly pulled the plug just hours before a law change which would have seen even more go to HMRC. As we saw with British Home Stores, there's a massive pension deficit, apparently around about £250 million owed to suppliers and 13,000 jobs at risk. Arcadia made up 5% of Debenhams' turnover, and so it's perhaps no surprise that the following day Debenhams went into liquidation following its administration earlier in the year. We also saw Bon Marsh return to administration for the second time in 12 months. Leon, the fast food chain, View Cinemas, Cafe Nero, and a number of others have also said that they're looking at CVAs, which are deals with landlords and suppliers to avoid paying full debts, not quite the administration levels. And so look, the perception among smaller business owners is that administration, liquidation, CVAs and the like are something which the mega corporates can do, and it doesn't really affect uh, the, the, the people behind it, the shareholders. Um, they do it again and, they, and again and again, you know, every 12 months, it seems. But not paying bills and debts is an easy way of making money, right? Um, and of course, you can do it from your yacht in Monaco. So, Jamie, my question to you for uh, to start with is, is what we're seeing these organizations are they playing the system or is it something that actually smaller businesses could you know it could help them with as well and financial difficulties what are your views on it i introduce you as a insolvency expert so forgive me if that's uh, too too high a title no that's um oh, thank you <laughs> thank you for the recommendation no um i think it's a bit of both in terms of are they playing the system um <clears throat> i think certainly you could look and take a very cynical view that certainly um, doing it from your yacht in Monaco whilst keeping hold of your knighthood, whilst having um, dumped a pension scheme for the second time, um, you could certainly view that as playing the system. Um, especially when the amount that would have been required to potentially save your business was a, a tiny fraction of a percentage of your own personal wealth. Um, you could say, well, is he playing the system? Probably is. Um, but are these options available to small businesses? Of course they are, and absolutely they are. They, um, they are designed to be used by both big and small businesses. 
um, and they can they can help small businesses. Um, one of the things we often find with with businesses that come to see us, and those are exclusively small and medium enterprises, um, is that they often wait too long before seeking advice from from someone like us. And I get there's a lot of sort of pride and um, involved in that, but the longer you wait before you're seeking advice from someone, um, the worse the problem's going to be. The less receptive your creditors are going to be to any restructuring plan that you might want to put in place. Um, simply, if you know if you've ignored paying your creditors for six months, why are they suddenly going to think, oh, yeah, leopards leopards changed their spots? Um, so yeah, to, to sum up, they are all those processes are available oh, to small enterprise to small and medium sized enterprises, and they should consider them as as soon as possible. Um, touching on another avenue of whether we've been playing the system is yeah the the arcadia group administration happened as you say hours before a law change um which has seen hmrc um, become a secondary preferential creditor again um for all the amounts that are owed on poye vat um employees national insurance contributions and cis deductions now typically um the first creditor that a small business stops paying or any business stops paying is is HMRC because they are, you know, in order to carry on trading, you're going to need your suppliers on board. But you do need to pay HMRC, but you, you don't obviously to, to get future supplies in. And, and isn't it great that, you know, if, if you're owed money by a struggling business, you can you can effectively rewrite the law and um, move yourself from the bottom of the queue to, 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 to basically second um, in the queue. Um, which is what HMRC have done. Um, the trade body for insolvency uh, professionals, R3, um, has strongly criticised this move um, because of the impact that it is going to have on on rescue and um, and, and probably the, the impact that is definitely going to hit um, SMEs is that um, HMRC have now jumped above um, all of all banks. Um, and any bank that, that held a, a security over over the business for whatever reason. So banks are now going to be much more reticent in lending. Um, and if they are going to lend, they're probably going to want higher interest rates. So it's going to be more costly. So if you're a small business thinking, well, the bank would have supported me six months ago or, or pre-pandemic, they may not now, iris completely irrespective of the pandemic, because they know that they are behind pretty much the first creditor that you're going to stop paying so it's a much bigger risk for them um and yeah there's been a massive spike in administrations um prompted by banks in the second half of november um purely so that they can trigger the relevant date mm. to be before this law change um, yes yeah and, and of uh, course the, the the whole idea behind administrations when they when they kind of first came out and rented were to avoid liquidation, avoid the worst case scenario, and be able to find a way in which to uh, restructure or, or trade out of it, um, you know, so, so that actually the business can carry on and survive. But what we've found um, happens, and you you know you do, you deal with it all the time, is um, like you know companies like Bon Marsh, you know, they, they, they've done it twice in two years, uh, twice in in a year, twice in in the twelve month period. Um, so you know, and it's it's quite an easy way from looking at it from an external point of view with borrowing a shed load of debt, not paying your suppliers, and then after 12 months, 
going, oh, okay, yeah, it didn't work. And then it goes into a pre-pack and guess who buys it back? Oh yeah, the um, the, 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 the knight of the, um, <laughs> the high street or something like that. Um, you know, the guy that always rescues um, brands in the high street. Yeah, well, of course he does. Cause you know, there's, it's almost manufacturing a business that um, would be profitable if it wasn't for the debt. So get rid of the debt and then, you know, okay, it's, it's, it's profitable again. Um, so in, in some respects, the, the um, reorganization of the HMRC as a um, preferential creditor, which is what it was, what, 10 years ago, Jamie? Uh, 2003 that ceased. Was it? I'm, I'm much older than I thought it was. Um, <laughs> I remember that. Um, that that putting that back in place perhaps might see less of these less of the prepack administration scenarios. Is would that is that the corollary of it? Um, possibly. There is also some draft um, regulations coming out about um, not just prepacks but all connected party sales and administrations. Mm. Um, there was a report five years ago where any connected party um, prepack sale, um, as an administrator, we would have to advise them to go to a company called the prepack pool. Yeah. Um, now that was a voluntary how, process. How many people went? Three? Did they? Yeah. Like that? It was like, yeah. It was the kind of the idea was, oh, you're going to buy back your own business, um, but you could pay eight hundred pounds for someone to potentially say no, um, and the. Slight irony is, is the uh, the prepack pool had based that eight hundred pound fee on doing so many a year, um, and um, they're not doing that many. So the prepack pool company itself is potentially actually insolvent mm. itself, which is a which is a slight beautiful irony there. Um, but actually, the um, this new draft legislation is going to mean that all connected party sales in administrations will either have to be approved by creditors or a an independent third party mm. um would have to um approve them now um the insolvency industry is sitting there thinking well hang on the ip themselves is a you know highly regulated person um who is independent um so why can't you know and has presumably instructed a um an agent to value who in most cases would say yeah that's probably the deal you, you should go with that um and in some cases a, a prepack is the right solution because they are the only party that's going to be interested and um, it's your alternative of accepting the prepack deal or actually shut, closing down, hmm. uh, auctioning everything off. Um, certainly, certainly from, um, from my viewpoint where I've, I've, you know, often acted for people that are owed money, you know, companies um, going, going into administration, they're owed money. They always view the prepacks with skepticism. They think that, you know, this is just them trying to do a deal that the, the, the administrator is in their pockets. You know, they've paid them off to do a cheap deal. And, and even if I turn around and say, no, 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 the, the IP will be, you know, it's completely independent. It'll only do things by the book. Most people think it's going to be, um, you know, a, a dodgy one. Um, Ted, in your experience with, with small businesses, is I guess it's right that they're probably on the, the, um, you know the poor end of the deal when a company goes into administration they're usually the ones that are mounting you know debts and unpaid invoices and that kind of thing is that your experience yeah i mean very much so i mean you know the small businesses tend to bear the brunt of these things um the larger businesses can kind of you know start again as you said and that's the perception is is just a a way of uh you know shedding the debt and, and restarting i mean i think you know 
people go into these things with the best of intentions. You know, I don't think anybody goes into kind of, you know, um, say, oh, we'll see how it goes. And if it fails, we'll start again. You know, the intentions, I think, are always good to preserve jobs and, you know, to, to make the business survive. So, um, but, you know, it is open to abuse. I mean, I think the, you know, um, in the case of Arcadia and Debenhams, you know, these, these were problems that existed pre-COVID. So they're not, um, they haven't suddenly just appeared because of COVID. These are underlying problems that were going on for years. And, and in a way, COVID has given them the excuse to kind of do these things, I think. You know, it's given mm-hmm. them a lot of businesses the, the excuse to do make certain decisions that perhaps they were putting off or perhaps avoiding. And, um, and it's given them an excuse to kind of do these things. Um, it, you know, it's not the best PR in the world. You know, Arcadia, you know, with Philip Green, you know, he's perhaps you you know, sack his PR team and get a different one because he never seems to paint himself in in, in, a, in a good light. And as you said, the, the amount that is needed is so small, you know, probably loses that on the back of his sofa. So um, <laughs> he, he doesn't help himself. But, you know, it, I think I think the, the problems with Arcadia and that it's been it's been going on a long time, um, and especially with Debenhams as well. So um, it's just brought things to, to a head, really. And and the intention of you know of, of prepack uh, you know if the business survives and then jobs survive and then hopefully it can trade and uh, small businesses then can get get something out of it you know going forward you know it, it's a good thing but um, but like anything it's kind of open to abuse and people will take advantage you know if they see an opportunity to to, to do so but um, but like Jamie said these these options are available to small businesses as well um, so the, the principles are the same. Um, but yeah, when, when it's a case of uh, a big casualty, obviously it makes a lot of headlines. Um, and it, it seems to be, I don't know whether it is more prevalent, but it seems to be more prevalent, all these kind of pre-packed stuff. It seems to happen a lot more often. I don't know, years ago, it didn't seem to happen so often. And uh, maybe people are just taking advantage because it's there at the moment. And perhaps things need to be tightened up on that and not, not made so so easy or attractive. Um, so I think that that does kind of need looking at and, and the perception generally, like you said, is that oh, they're just doing this just to get out of it to avoid paying bills. And, you know, we've had queries in the past when perhaps, you know, the business is racked up, you know, not paid VAT or PAYE and then said, oh, can we can we do this then? And it's, you know, it's, it's not, you know, that's not the intention. That, that, that's not what, you know, the rules are for. But you'll always get those kind of queries coming in. And obviously, it's not very, you know, not very nice. But um, touch wood we haven't had to deal with too many of them over the 11 years so um so it, that that's a good thing but um but yeah the, you know these 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 things are available for small business as well it is a small business who haven't had to bear the brunt because you know they're the small guy and and they can't often do a lot about it and and they're right at the back of the queue as well so yeah so one of the things that we've seen um a lot of in, in this uh, in the last six months is the CBA that's it's happened before you know big names have done um, CBAs before but and particularly this this time around where lots of businesses haven't been paying their rents um, and a CBA it's not just landlords um, that kind of get the brunt it's all suppliers it's a deal with every, every supplier everyone that you owe money to it's kind of doing a deal with them and saying look we can't pay you you know um, fully we'll pay you expense in the pound. Um, rather than going into administration, but it's the landlords that um, you know kind of get the the brunt of it. And if you're a if you're a small business and you've got a um, you know a, a retail shop and it's twenty five grand a year and you're struggling to pay the rent, and you go to your landlord and say, 
but I'm thinking about going into a CVA and I'm only going to pay you, you know, 25% of the rent um, that's, uh, that's in arrears. Oh, and by the way, moving forward, I want a turnover linked lease that, um, that means if I'm struggling, you don't get your rent. Um, the, the answer from, from most landlords is going to be, oh, well, clear off, then I'll get somebody else in. Um, and, uh, and I think it's, it's having that, the, almost a weight behind you of going, well, we've got 300 stores here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you'll have to do a deal with us, um, uh, compared to the smaller company. I, I loved earlier on in the year, um, Travel Lodge, Travel Lodge tried it on, um, with our landlords and said, um, you know, we're going to go into a CBA and the landlords went, yeah, no, we're not going to agree with that. So, um, you know, and, and Travel Lodge assumed that, well, you know, who else are you going to rent it to? And the landlords went, oh, no, yeah, we've got a core. They're, 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 well, they're going to come in and take it all from you. Um, and that that kind of flip reversed it around and, and made Travel Lodge kind of go, oh, hang on a minute, we need to be a bit more sympathetic with the landlords. But from a smaller point of view, I think um, very difficult to, you know, go and sit down with all the people that you owe money to and go, do you know what? I can't pay you. Um, can't can't do this. But I think what Jamie's saying, and Ted, you, you probably agree, is that it's all about it's in the smaller businesses, much more about knowing your figures and taking advice early rather than getting in a mess and going, damn it, now I'm, you know, now I've got the creditors calling, knocking on the door level. Um, uh, I think is that is that what you you'd agree with that, Ted? Would you say that that's sensible? Yeah, I think just in general terms that people tend to seek advice as a last resort, whereas, you know, they really need to kind of start thinking out a bit a lot beforehand. And like Jamie said, you know, I can understand people kind of wanting to kind of perhaps not face the truth or bury their head in the sand a little bit um, until things get really bad. So, you know, we always tell clients, you know, let us know what's going on, because a lot of the time they don't even let us know what's going on until it's kind of, you know, a bit too late. So, um, but yeah, you, you need to kind of, you know, communicate that and, and, and keep an eye on that and, and, and take advice beforehand, because it, it may be that you can do something beforehand, you know, often when it gets to that stage, there's very little you can do because, you know, it, it's reached that critical point. So yeah, generally, on a general point, we always say to client, let us know what's going on, because if we know what's going on, we might be able to help you. So yeah, absolutely. Mm. Jamie? I think the, the other issue that a small business often faces is, you know, we, we you know we spoke earlier in, 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 in the podcast, didn't we, just sort of jokingly about, you know, running it from your yacht in Monaco. Well, if, you know, Philip Green's Arcadia business goes into administration, that does not really affect Philip, you know, his personal wealth. Your SME business owner, their business goes into liquidation or administration or has to, that does affect their personal wealth massively. And also they probably know their suppliers personally. They probably, they might even be on first name terms with the one of some of their suppliers, the landlord, whereas the bigger businesses, they don't have that personal relationship with their suppliers. So they don't, it, you know, you're, you're not just, they're making the decision based on cold, hard financial numbers and facts. Whereas a smaller business is having to think, oh, oh no, you know, my, you know, my, my, my best mate runs, you know, one of these supplier companies, I'm going to have to go to him and say, look, really sorry. And you're going to know potentially that the impact that's going to have on him as well. Um, so there's another thing that smaller businesses have to, have to face and that probably feeds into the impact um that we you mentioned right at the beginning Stephen about it's one rule for the big for the big boys and, and another rule for, for, for the smaller guys mm. 
Ironically, that um, that level of relationship with suppliers can can often cause problems down the line if a company goes into liquidation because all of a sudden the the, the business owner has favoured one person. Um, you know, because he knows him and he could really do with some money. So he sends him a check to pay his bill, doesn't pay anyone else. And then it's a, um, it's a transaction that can be reversed then by a, a, an insolvency practitioner at a later date. But um, yeah, that's good. So moving on, um, this week, this podcast has had some success, I'd like to say. Um, we've been talking about it over the last uh, few weeks about uh, business rate relief that some of the big stores, the supermarkets had over the, the um, coronavirus pandemic. Business rate relief was intended to be for, for businesses that were closed, um, but it was just applied to everybody. And so some of the, um, some of the figures, I mean, it, it amounts to um, 1.2 billion pounds just in the supermarkets alone. And so we saw that uh, this week that Tesco came out and said that they were going to repay it. Morrison's quickly followed, Sainsbury's, Audi um, have followed B&M. Um, they, they've all kind of followed M&S, uh, Marks and Spencers. They're saying that we're not doing very well, um, so we're not repaying it back. And, um, and Waitrose, John Lewis are also saying the same. Um, but my my viewpoint on this uh, on this show has been, and, and hopefully you guys will agree with me, is that this was intended to help again the small and medium sized businesses that were forced to close, not the ones that could through a loophole because they were selling essential items or food um, could remain open. And so quite rightly, they, they should be paying it back. There was a great quote last on last week's podcast um, that I used from the, from the, um, the guy that runs AO.com who said um, that those, you know, those uh, companies should go and ask their mum what they thought and see whether or not their mum thought it was the right thing to do or whether or not their mum thought they should repay it back. And I, and I love that. And, and hopefully, I mean, look, um, it, it kind of quickly mounted, but there's there's plenty of other businesses that have done really well out of um, out of out of lockdown, shall we say, like uh, Kingfisher B and Q, uh, Halfords. You know, those kind of stores they've also benefited, and at the moment, you know, they they're kind of keep quiet, don't say anything. <laughs> Let's hope that will not be noticed, and, um, and and hopefully, you know, they they too will turn around and say, yeah, look, we'll we'll repay it back. But that's the right thing to do, isn't it, Ted? That's you know, good on them. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, under this COVID, you know, there's winners and losers, you know, like like in all forms of life. And and the supermarkets uh, have definitely been winners. You know, they've had, it's been sort of Christmas every month, I think, for, you know, since the lockdown started. So, um, and like you said, the whole intention was to help those who have been, you know, affected by COVID-19. And obviously they haven't been, if anything, it's, it's the opposite effect. So I know they've had to spend money and, you know, making their stalls safe and all that kind of thing. But still, I, I would imagine, you know, I know when COVID it hit early on, I, I can't remember which supermarket it was, but they said it was like, it was, this was better than Christmas for them. You know, mm. uh, they were doing massively well. So um, I think, you know, the, the the you know the intention by the help was to kind of help those people out so the spirit of it was to you know help those who were who have suffered and if, if you haven't really suffered then you know i think it's only right that that it should be paid back um and you know from a pr point of view i mean so, some obviously some retailers have or kept quiet or, or perhaps don't want to or whatever um you know if you're a pure supermarket then i can understand you, you've done really well out of it and you want to pay it back Someone like MNS, maybe, you know, it's the, I know they do food, but, you know, they do other things as well. And those things may have suffered. So I don't want to kind of um, 
come too hard down on any particular business because I don't know the ins and outs of it. But I think especially if you're a supermarket, then then you have benefited and you can't say you haven't really. So I think it's only right that, that they do they do pay it back. Yeah, definitely. Could we have a I'm thinking out loud with this, could we have a situation where the government imposed a tax on on profits over and above what your profits were last year? So that businesses that have done better this year because you know because they've had uh you know th- that inflow of customers like to take halfords for instance everybody wanted to go out and buy bikes so they've done really well could they have um uh, impose a, an, an extra coronavirus support repayment tax for those businesses that have done really well does it kind of help so so that we're not just increasing tax across the board which everybody knows we need to you know uh, have more tax to pay back all the debt that we're borrowing to um, to help out the people that were really really struggling Rather than put tax on the people that are making money now that, you know, just getting by, should we tax the people that have made more money out of the pandemic? Jamie, do you think that's a possibility? Do you understand where I'm going? Yeah, I do. I, um, I do think the government's done a couple of slightly strange things in the last few months. I mean, for a start, you could you could argue that, you know, the fact that, you know, these big supermarkets have been granted this rate relief was actually the government's fault in the first place. Surely it didn't take... A genius to realize that you know you could have amended the regulations so that business rates relief is only available to a business that does not sell essential supplies um the the other strange one is these um self-employment grants giving someone a grant and then taxing it why don't you just give them you say well it's not going to be taxable and we'll give you a you know a little bit less that have been a, a possibly another another way around but um yeah i think you know i think businesses who are who have had a good 12 months could should be expecting to 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 have to contribute to to the recovery like you know if if you happen to be you know in the manufacture of um ppe or you know you make perspex screens for example you've probably had your best your best few months um because everyone's suddenly been buying a perspex screen that had never really needed one in the past um yeah and i think these businesses yes whilst they've had a good 12 months yeah they should be expect you know there's an there's, there should be a, 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 a the, the people who do well should be the ones that pay the most tax rather than just you know flatly increasing a tax that everyone pays that that therefore proportionally affects those that that, that are the poorest the most like you know if you know if he's going to think about increasing VAT then that is going to impact the poorest the most because they. Sure. Obviously, the counter argument uh, to my own argument, the counter argument is that, well, if I'm doing well, I'll pay more tax anyway, because it's tax on on profits, right? So I I will inevitably pay more tax. My point is, should I pay like a super tax on top of that Mm -hmm. um, to kind of help out? Ted, assume you've got, you know, clients across the board, some that have, 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 you know, really struggled and some that are probably doing okay. How do you think that people would feel if there was a, a, quote, super tax on, you know, uh, over and above profits made comparatively, you know, across year to year? or something like that would they be upset about it <laughs> they're always upset when they've got to pay tax it doesn't tax? matter i have to pay tax how do i have to yeah, why do i have to pay yeah, tax Ted? yeah exactly yeah. Thought that was but, your job to yeah. make me not pay any tax <laughs> yeah tax is a three-letter word it's you know so it's uh yeah so no they're never happy to pay tax so you know if you said a super tax you know they'd flip their lids i mean you know, there is an argument, and I was going to say the same thing, that their argument would be that, you know, we've earned more profit, so we're paying more tax anyway. Um, obviously, politically, it could 
going to go down quite well, couldn't it? Because, you know, so all these companies have made more money, let's tax them. Nobody's going to say no, are they? So from a political point of view, it's quite an attractive thing to do, you know. Um, you know, there have been winners and losers. You know, we've got we've got clients who, um, you know, trade purely online and, and, and they've done fantastically well, most of them, you know, because obviously everybody's shopping online instead of in stores and stuff. So uh, they have done really well out of it. Um, yeah, they'd, they'd be, you know, they won't be happy with the super tax, but I can understand from a political point of view, it might be quite popular. The only thing I'd probably say is then it's hard to kind of then say, well, is that purely because of COVID? Because they could argue, well, we were, you know, we had new product launches or whatever we did. And how would you kind of separate the, the COVID effect uh, and try and kind of account for that as well? So mm. I think that that's level the, of details never bothered the government in the past. No, no, but um, <laughs> but the de- the but the you know the devil's in the detail, isn't it? Absolutely you know, it's like is. when they announce these things, they say, "Oh, it's like this," but then obviously you know they don't announce the detail till you know days later. So then we have to pick through the details of how actually how to how to do this stuff or how to claim that or whatever. So um, so yeah, I think politically it might be quite attractive to do because nobody's going to say no. But um, yeah, I, I don't think it go down well with the big businesses and the supporters of the Tory party. So um, it's probably not going to happen unless they were desperate for that money. Absolutely. And, and interesting, one of the things that comes out of the, the whole business rate relief situation is whether or not business rates are an appropriate way of you know, taxing property. And the, obviously, they're based on values that are not current values, uh, number one. Um, and uh, it kind of unfairly skews to you know the high street retail for instance compared to a massive warehouse warehouse is being cheaper um, per square foot than a, a retail unit um and uh, and yet you know somebody with a massive warehouse like amazon that uh, that you know do everything from a warehouse don't need a shop front will therefore be paying um a loss a lot less proportionately business tax per square foot and so the the question is really whether or not the whole system needs to be changed. And, um, and in fact, you know, I've seen some comments say that it should be linked again to, a, you know, kind of a turnover base, you know, what, what is your shop, turn, you know, what does your shop turnover almost make it like a, a tax, but you have, you know, on your on your turnover from what your shop or from your premises. So, and again, an Amazon is turning over millions from that particular warehouse, and therefore it should pay more. Um, that might be a bit more complicated to work out so something that um, is perhaps beyond this podcast for now at least but something that uh, that I can imagine or envisage at some point in the next few years they'll look at and seek to change um, and whatever those tax changes of course it's always to try and make more tax um, so in, you know inevitably we'll all pay more tax at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, talking of tax Boris Johnson yesterday um, said that he wanted to make uh, the UK the best place for uh, for investment, the best place for companies to invest in the UK, um, and the best place to start and run a business, um, hinting at uh, future tax cuts. Um, balancing against that is, we all know, if you've got half a brain, that taxes are inevitably going to need to go up. So there's only two ways in which I see they can do this. So um, one is to you know reduce um, the headline rate of, of corporation tax, but then go back to the old... Um, what they used to criticise Labour for in um, Tony Blair's days of all the stealth taxes, so everything else goes up in order to try and uh, recover the money. 
Um, or there's a you know there's a wholesale changing you know increase in, in VAT, increase in income tax, and, and they and they kind of do this and do that. Um, but Ted, again, from from your point of view, you probably probably know the answer to this one already. Your clients, they they would just they'd want smaller tax bills, wouldn't they? They just you know even though they know there's a, a debt, personally, they'd be like, well, actually, if we can reduce the tax liability, then that's great. Yeah, I mean, you know, with the. Um you know, sort of once hopefully COVID all passes and everything, you know, there, there inevitably there will be sort of tax rises. Um, but it's, it's a balancing act, isn't it? Because there's got to be a recovery. So um, that recovery has got to happen and not get hindered uh, and, you know, be clobbered by the tax. So I think tax rises are, are, are coming, but I think um, there'll be a cautious approach because the, the economy needs to recover and people need to feel confident that a recovery is going to happen um in order to you know to spend and, and get the economy sort of get, get going get it going again so um yeah i, I think i don't think I, I can understand why boris johnson is kind of making those kind of statements because one it's because he's looking at the kind of you know after the the recovery or after the covid crisis has passed or is coming to an end um how how the uk can position itself um, and obviously, you know, with the Brexit and everything as well. So he's kind of looking towards those those areas uh, and, and seeing, you know, post-COVID, you know, where can we go and uh, how the recovery can happen um, before perhaps, you know, the tax rises inevitably will come in at some point to kind of recover all the spending on, on the COVID crisis. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think knowing... Knowing how this, particular this government, the current one, uh, works, I can I can actually see it, um, you know, potentially decreasing corporation tax slightly, um, but then the net effect of all the other tax rises and adjustments in terms of personal allowances and ability to claim and uh, everything else, as I say, by stealth, will see us all paying a lot more tax. But Jamie, what what would you see? Would you see? Do you think tax will inevitably go up, or is Boris Johnson kind of going to lead it forward and reduce it down? Well, I actually wondered, kind of linked to the previous topic we were talking about, business rates, is about whether you just say, well, actually, we'll just scrap business rates. But then we say, well, actually, we're going to keep, we were thinking of lowering corporation tax, but we're actually going to leave it where it was. So um, then that is a way of being able to effectively, as you say, treat businesses fairer versus online versus sort of the high street um, and actually try and catch a, a bit more a bit more tax that way. Um yeah, I've, I have wondered in the past um, few months about whether um, the government is going to increase a tax and call it a temporary measure, but actually leave the headline rate where it was and then introduce effectively another, you know, a, a COVID payment recovery tax to effectively sort of brand the tax so we all understand why we're paying it. Mm. And it's going to be a temporary measure and it will definitely be out of the way um, by the time the next election comes round. And so we've forgotten about it, maybe. Um, and, and we'll all understand why we're paying the extra thing, because we've all effectively, you know, as you you mentioned before on the podcast, some people will, by the time furlough ends, have had their wages paid for by the government for 12 months, effectively, um, if they've been on furlough the whole time. And mm. people will understand, I think, why 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 we need to raise more taxes, because we've had to had we've had exceptional spend um in the last few months. Um mm. I, I think um, I think I'm I'm writing saying that income tax uh, was created post-war, 
um, was was the was the exactly that 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 concept. Well, we, you know, we've paid for the war, we've got to pay for this somehow, and therefore we're going to introduce an income tax on everybody, just a small amount, just to um, just to help repay all the you know the amount that we spent on the war, and um, and and obviously never never dropped it. But it wasn't. I don't think it was ever called like the war tax. I think it was introduced as income tax. But yeah, I think you're right. I think it was a Napoleonic thing, and I think it was introduced yeah. as a temporary measure. And it's because it because it still has to be written into every finance act that yes. income tax will be re it's still there for the next 12 months not like sort of corporation tax which is obviously one piece of legislation that's just passed and it just it automatically rolls over from year to year it's uh, yeah. yeah i mean corp- corporation tax was meant to come down you know it was it was the the intention was to 17 percent. so we'd been telling clients for years oh yeah in in 2021 or whenever it was of corporation tax will be 17%. Um, and then obviously at the last election, they changed their minds and said, no, it's going to stay at 19%. So, um, you know, the intention is, is there, but then, uh, you know, politics comes into play and that, that was a political decision. Well, that 2% can, you know, go towards NHS or whatever it can go to. So, um, you know, the, these things are political, but obviously, you know, being a Tory party, their, their philosophy is, is, is low taxation. So I think ultimately that, that is still the aim. But, um, and, and, and like you mentioned, Jamie, they might well introduce a kind of, you know, temporary tax. So it's a, for a special purpose and then people understand what it's for. And, and then hopefully it, it, they understand it's it's a temporary measure that has to be taken, you know, to, to recover all that spend. So I, I can see something like that happening where, you know, it is a kind of one off uh, and it's and it's targeted as well. Like you mentioned earlier about targeting you know, the, the businesses that have done well, the super tax, you know, that has been done before, you know, with energy companies and that sort of thing. So I can see these kind of one off things, you know, on the horizon. But the general um, trend being for either to leave taxation alone uh or or how in the long term you know to to decrease it but like you say smoke and mirrors you know one goes up the other goes down so they have to balance the book somehow but um reduce corporation tax but then take away any uh tax-free dividends or something like that yeah yeah, reduce reduce that figure down again from where it is now to zero for instance and it means people can't extract money out of the business anyway so Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, you know, clearly and obviously everybody knows that something's going to have to happen. Um, and it's it's really now just a matter of when it happens, because like you said, Tej, the we kind of got to get the economy going back. I mean, even in, even on the office of um, uh, um, tax, uh, the people that deal with the budget, I forget what the name, Office of Budget Responsibility, OBR. Uh, even on the Office of Budget Responsibilities figures, the UK economy doesn't get back straight until something like 2025. And the report this week says that um, the UK is, is one of the slowest recovery, will be one of the slowest recovering countries in the developed world. Um, and, and and we've not yet had the full impact of Brexit. Where And, and some and I think it was um, the Office of Budget Responsibility again said that um, Brexit will have a bigger impact than coronavirus. If that's the case, then we're in a rightness. <laughs> Let's hope not. Um, this podcast isn't for Brexit talk because um, it's uh, I just don't have enough hours in the day. Um, great. So uh, good, good discussions uh, this week. Um, Jamie, is there anything that uh, that caught your eye this week that you think we should talk about? 
Yeah, I found some. I found some good news. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I read an article. We like good news. We like good news. Yeah, I read an article this morning that the uh, the staging of I'm staging is that the right word of I'm a celebrity um, in in North Wales has, has raised a, a million pounds for the local economy. Um, apparently, the um, the castle where it's being filmed insisted that uh, ITV use local suppliers, so they apparently had all those T-shirts with "Vote for Me." Um, printed by a local um, supplier, you know. Amazingly, ITV don't have an in-house printing <laughs> contract. You just thought they would have done, but apparently not. Um, yeah, apparently there's been a local bus company uh, used to kind of move everyone around. Um, you know, sort of Anton Dex private limo, I suspect. Um, I did see that some uh, people were complaining that um, the insects that they were introducing weren't native spe- weren't native speech species, and so they obviously haven't brought their insects locally. <laughs> I, I, I don't watch I'm a celebrity, but you know what are they get them to do sort of eat, 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 you know, eat a load of woodland. Eat, eating, eat insects, lay in a bed of insects, um, have insects poured over your head, uh, that kind of thing. And they're all they're all the um, you know from the Australian bush insects. Um, so I, I think they've uh, I think they've had them all grown. Um, I think that's what they do because they have so many of them. Uh, there's such a high requirement for bugs in that show. Um, they get them all made, but I don't think they're all native speeches. So um, there was a bit of a concern about that. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's, it's good though for a local economy, isn't it? That something like that gets shown there and it boosts, boosts everyone locally, particularly in a pandemic situation. It gives everybody some, uh, something to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean the castle itself, I mean, for what I've seen of it, I mean, it looks, it looks beautiful. So it must, you know, for, for its future tourism, it'll probably do wonders for, for that castle. I've never heard of it personally, but it looks amazing, but um, you know, one of the things that COVID has done is kind of questioned why we do certain things. You know, uh, in business, you know, why do we meet people in person when we could do it over Zoom or whatever? So it has made people question why why you do certain things in the way you do them. And I think one of the things about this, I'm a celebrity. You know, it's filmed in Australia normally, but. As, as a viewer, it could be anywhere. You don't really care. You know, when I've seen it, it's, you know, if they told me that was in, 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 in you know, Australia, I, I'd have believed it. You know, what do I know? So mm. I think, you know, it's, they've, they've filmed it in Wales, but then to the viewer, it doesn't really make any difference. It could be anywhere. Obviously, to the people taking part, they're probably freezing their nuts off because Australia is quite warm and Wales is quite cold. Um, but to the viewer, and I imagine you know filming it in wales you know being an accountant i'm thinking god that must be a lot cheaper you know going down to wales to film it rather than you know sending everybody out to australia all these celebs all their kind of entourages to australia it must be a hell of a lot cheaper it's just down the road so um so so in future it wouldn't be surprised if they just you know filmed it in wales or whatever you know because it doesn't really matter you know as a viewer I, i couldn't tell where the hell it was so um, I think I think normally the, the celebrities and their family get hosted in the Versace yeah, Hotel, exactly something true. like for three thousand pounds a night or something yeah. like that. So. It's pro- probably travel lodge now in Wales. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it's, yeah. So um, I was just thinking, yeah, yeah, like I don't know, certain islands around the country with villas are desperately thinking, well, maybe we could pitch to ITV that they host Love Island and say sort of the Isle of Wight next year or something, and uh, see how yeah. that goes down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks very much for uh, coming along today, Jamie and Tej. Thanks for your input. Really appreciated it. Thank you. Thanks for inviting us.
And thanks to you at home for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review on your podcast download page um, and share it. Tell a friend and invite them along to come and listen to uh, the previous episodes and next week's episode. Every episode is released at three o'clock or thereabouts on a Friday afternoon. And um, at the same time, an email is sent around to everybody which has all of the week's business news stories. You can subscribe to that email at www.businessherald.co.uk. But for this week, thanks very much for listening and see you again next week. Goodbye. Oh, sorry, one quick thing, Stephen. Yeah. Picking the can down the road. Just thought we should we, we should get a mention in because uh, I don't think we've mentioned it so far. So. You, thanks very much for that, Ted. If you're not aware, that is the, the, the podcast uh, bingo phrase oh, okay. that uh, we seem to mention every time that, uh, that we're on. <laughs>